Well, good morning, Zion. Good to see you. Thank you for braving the, the snow and the ice and all those things. It's been a rough few weeks to have our regular meetings together as well as uh, Sunday morning and so forth. We have a big announcement. Many of you already know our second grandchild was born on Wednesday. Her name is Elowen Noel Okowski. I know that's a lot of syllables, but she can handle it. She can deal with it. Uh, so that's Mike, our son Mike, holding, uh, holding her and uh, just as cute as can be. So uh, our, our plan is, is we're going to go next week uh, to see them. And so come on, you know, so you're still meeting and so forth, but we'll go down on Friday and we'll be back on Monday. Uh, with that, we've had to kind of alter our planning a little bit with uh, downstairs because we like to have the message and the downstairs teaching match. Okay, they're not going to do that today. Today, they're, today you're going to learn about the unforgiving servant, and they're going to cover the four soils today downstairs. Next week, they'll switch it, and so you'll just have to adjust uh, parents. So maybe your kids can teach you all about the four soils as like a preview uh, for next week. So uh, let's get right into it then. And, and she's just such a cutie. I can't wait to meet her. All right, so... Um, Think, think about this, that when it comes to uh, Christian rules and expectations, there's a lot of things that church people do that maybe the scripture isn't specific about, but it's kind of an expectation, and people maybe raise an eyebrow, and there's a lot of these issues, we call them disputable items, you can read about these in Romans 14, they've been in churches in different cultures forever, I mean there's some churches where uh, chewing gum, this is, this is in other countries, is a, is a sin. And so it's like, well, there's no verse that says that. So, and then there are also things that the scripture isn't specific about. So I don't, don't misunderstand when I say this, but there's kind of wiggle room of how we apply those principles. Church governance is, is a good reason. Maybe you've wondered why churches have different governances and from you know, congregational things to single person to elders and all this, because the New Testament is just not that specific. So we're doing our best to fit within a, a range of what the scripture teaches. Uh, there are those things where it's just not as clear. This is not one of those times. This is one of the clearest teachings of a... Uh, depending how you look at a right or a wrong that we're ever going to see. It is very clear, and so let's get into it. We are in kingdom stories. Jesus is using parables as similes. The kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is like. And the context of what he gives those parables is really, really important because there may have been times where Jesus might have just taught one of these in several different locations and places, but as the gospel writers were putting the gospel messages together, there were specific times where it made a big difference what was going on. Sometimes when we're reading uh, you know, one of Jesus' kingdom parables, it'll be at the top of a chapter, it'll be verse 1. Well, you need to make sure that you're reading the chapter beforehand 
because it, it may be very relevant. In fact, very often, most of the time when we look at these parables, it is very relevant. What's going on that Jesus decided to teach that parable at once? Now, what I don't know, this is a little side note, is did he just make them up? Or did he have them kind of as uh, teaching lessons he kind of kept in his back pocket, even though he didn't have pockets? So we don't know. It doesn't really matter. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, so the context of why is he giving this particular parable teaching at that particular time? This is the parable of the unforgiving servant. So we got to go back up a little bit before we look at the parable. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Now, Jesus was just talking about going to your, your brother who sinned against you and going to them in private. In verse 21, then after that discussion, then Peter comes up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, what Peter's asking is, is there a limit on this whole forgiveness thing? I mean, can we just like keep score? What if they keep doing the same thing to me over and over and over again? Is there a point when we say, okay, done, we're done? Jesus says, no, don't keep a tally. He, when he says 77 or 7 times 7 or 70 times 7, he's not, he's not saying, he's using a figure of speech. He's saying it's unlimited. You keep forgiving. And so in light of this question, Jesus is now going to tell this parable. Let's read the whole parable. Uh, Matthew 18, verses 23 to 34. By the way, I bit my tongue really badly the other day. And so I'm having a bit of trouble talking. <laughs> but I'll do my best. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him his debt, zeroed it out. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servants fell down and pleaded with, his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all the debt. Remember, parables are fictional stories to prove a point. And, of course, Jesus said this, but he's using it as an example. He says, look, Peter, when it comes to forgiveness, the kingdom of heaven is like this. 
there's forgiveness. And he says, it's like a king who settles accounts. So this is a king. This is someone in authority. This is someone who, uh, these are servants who owe the king. Now, it could be a couple different ways. And again, it's not really important, but they owe the king. Maybe, maybe they've literally borrowed money and they owe it. Maybe they're put in charge of something and they're given a, 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 you know, a, an allotment of funds for which they have to be account and, and show themselves responsible for it. But if he's a great king, it's very well, it's not unusual that he would be owed much. So uh, now is the time for accounting. He brings in this first servant, servant and it says he owes 10,000 talents. Now, how much is that? Uh, and it's, we, we have to try and define these in a way that transcends time, you know, adjusted for inflation and all those kind of things. So it, the, the best way to think of 10,000 talents is half a lifetime of income. So, so that's a lot of money. Now, if, you, if you've been living for half of your life, if you're 40, 50 years old, and you've already earned that half, it's like, how are you going to pay back another half of a lifetime? That's a lot of money. It's impossible, because it's not like you can just give everything you earn to the king every single day. You still have to live. There's no way. There's no way this servant can pay off the debt. It's half a lifetime of wages. And it's regardless of, of how he got in there, again, it's not important how he got that much debt, but the debt was huge. There's no way. But here's the penalty. So the king says, all right, fine. We'll cut our losses. We'll sell you. We'll sell your family. We're going to sell your house. Everything that you have in order to, to pay back, you know, you're going to have to pay everything you have to give to me and we'll just have to go from there. Slavery for him and his family. By the way, it's a bit of a side note that if, if this was a, a sinful thing or, or just irresponsibility, how it often affects those we love. So he pleads, he falls down on his, on his knees. Please, 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 I'll pay everything back. And it's interesting how those in debt always think they could pay everything back, uh, regardless of how, how big it is. Um, there's no way. But here's where it changes. The word is mercy. The king has mercy for the servant. He just said, you know what? There's no way. This is ridiculous. Tell you what. Zero it out. You don't owe me anything anymore. We're square. Now, when he did this, it accomplished three things for the servant. First of all, first one, he's free from debt. He's, it's all gone. Imagine getting a letter from your bank or finance company saying, the money you owe on your house, hey, it's good. We're good. Don't worry about it anymore. Wouldn't that be a nice letter to get? Well, that, that, that's what happened to this servant. He didn't know anything anymore. It also freed him from the penalty of the prison that he was going to face and then allowed him to be with his family, stay with his family, his home and everything. And the king had the right and the capability to do all this. The king was not fretting, oh my goodness, I, I really need that. I was counting on that money back. I have debts too. I, I know what I'm going to do. The king had the capability to say, just wipe it out. 
That's a lot of wealth. But the issue is not his capability so much as as his mercy. Why did he do this? One word, mercy. That's it. Well, as we read in the story, there's another servant, isn't there? So the first servant goes and finds a second servant who owes him money, chokes him, abuses him, and it's a small amount. And what does it say specifically? It was um, a few hundred denarii. Again, let's translate that into today's ideas so we understand it. That would be about a third to a half of a year's pay. Now, is that, is that a lot of money? Sure. I mean, what's, a, what's an average pay here? I mean, $50,000, $60,000 or maybe $20,000. I'll take that. You know, that's, that's a good chunk of money. But it's certainly not half a lifetime's worth of income, is it? Would, that be, would it be possible? Would it be realistic to be able to pay that amount back? Sure. Take a while, but you could. But in the almost exact same scene, servant number two falls on his knees using the almost exact same words, be patient with me, I will pay you back. But the first servant refuses. No mercy. Merciless treatment. Chokes him, imprison him. I never quite understood that. Why would you imprison someone who owes you money? Uh, but apparently, as I, as I read about that, because it's like, well, how are they going to pay you back? Apparently, people would have stashes of money where they wouldn't give up, they wouldn't reveal unless they had that pressure of being in prison, or your relatives would be then motivated to come and help you if you were indeed in prison. So maybe that could be the case. How could this guy act that way? How could the first servant be so heartless? Did you, did you think that? Did you think, what is wrong with this guy? If you thought that, you get it. That's exactly Jesus' point. So the other servants, the other group, they go back to the, to the king, to the master, and said, we got to tell you what happened. This is what we saw. And the, the master and the king, of course, is enraged. He's so frustrated. He says, look, I was merciful to you. You should have been merciful to others. Literally, he says, was, was it not right for you to do the same thing? And so that original mercy that he granted servant number one is now retracted. And he is sent to prison and to torture. Here's, here's Jesus' summary in verse 35. So my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Now we've seen before in the parables, and we'll see it in, later, in the later parables and messages, there's this explanation of this is that. What do, they, what do these characters represent? Well, the king and the master represents the heavenly father. I think Jesus is clear by that. He is sovereign. He can de decree debts paid or due or forgive them. In other words, God can afford it. And of course, he is merciful. Forgiving our debt is what our king did for us who believe. A couple verses, 1 Peter 3.18 for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being alive in the spirit. 
It's not just a New Testament thing. Old Testament, Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And then here, this is a really clear one, Psalm 130, verse 3 and 4. If you, O Lord, should mark our iniquities, in other words, make, me, make us pay for them, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, forgiveness that you may be feared. Well, who are the servants? Us. Believers. We all owe the Father. He paid a debt we couldn't pay. Mercy. We can't pay back all that we owe God for our sin. You can say, oh, I'll pay you back. I'll pay. No, you can't. You can't make up for it. It's impossible. In fact, it's even more impossible than it was for this person. We deserve hell for our sin. That's what we get. We get thrown into prison uh, because we can't pay it. We have to rely on God's mercy. It's interesting to hear people a lot today talk about what's fair. We don't want what's fair. What's fair is we go to hell. We go to prison. We go to debtor's prison forever and ever and ever and all eternity. And we still can't pay it off. All we have is the Father's mercy. But isn't that good news? <laughs> it's so good to know and remember that he is full of mercy. Our debts to one another are then so much smaller than the debt the Father has forgiven us. Do we ever hurt each other? Do we ever bother each other? Has anyone ever hurt or harmed us? Yes, of course. That's life. It's going to happen. But in comparison, it's a lot smaller than what God has done. Jesus' point is here. He says, Peter, remember going back to his question, Peter, if you don't forgive, you're the first servant. You, we, when we don't forgive, we spurn the forgiveness and the mercy that was originally offered to us. See how clear this is? We're the first servant. In the story, the king said to that guy, you're a wicked servant because you didn't forgive. We lose out on the benefits of forgiveness. And when we forgive, we need to understand we're not helping the person who hurt us. We're helping ourselves. We're dealing with the harm that was caused to us. It doesn't, it might, it might make the offender feel better to know they're forgiven, but largely forgiveness is going to deal with our particular heart. If we're not forgiven, we're not right with God. If we're not forgiving, we're saying, God, you have a high standard, but mine's higher. Because I'm not going to forgive this person for what they did. We can't say that to him. The injuries done to us are nothing compared to the scope of the injuries we've done for each other. The New in, in International Commentary says, the community of the forgiven must be a forgiving community. If we have trouble forgiving, it's an indication that we ourselves don't feel forgiven, that we don't understand what's been done for us. The ungraced, graceful person is an ungracious person. But because we've been forgiven, we have the ability. It's an issue of willingness. Now, there's a theological issue here, just to, to point out. Is this parable teaching that you lose your salvation 
if you are unforgiving. I, not really. The, the, the issue here is the lack of mercy we have for one another. We don't want to overextend that too much. But however, do we really want, and this is Jesus' point at the end, do we really want God to hold us to that same standard of no mercy that we're applying to others? You want God to do that to us? That would be rough. At the least, the relationship and benefit of the Father's mercy is not realized until we, we need to understand what we are forgiven. So, what does this mean for us today? Well, first of all, don't be that first servant. <laughs> don't be that guy. We should daily, first of all, forgive the minor transgressions, the things that we do, those irritations, those daily offenses. It could be spouse, between spouses, between parents and kids, between uh, siblings, there are things that we're going to do that irritate and bother each other. And those two, we don't want to hold on to those. Uh, I, just, I just got a, I got an email from one of my siblings on Monday, and it was just irritating. And God says, don't forget, you're preaching on forgiveness on Sunday. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. okay. All right. I'm not going to, forgiveness is releasing the debt. I'm not going to hold that against him, even though it was annoying. We have to forgive as often as necessary. And doing that, just realizing, again, the depth of our own sin. I'm enjoying God's forgiveness. I am enjoying his mercy. It just makes perfect sense that I would do the same for, for all, to extend it to all. I'm modeling the Father. Again, if you're not forgiving, you're the first servant. That's as clear as it gets. There are no excuses. There are no yabbats. Yeah, but they, no. But what about this? No. The, yes, we acknowledge that the harm done to you is real. In fact, forgiveness doesn't excuse what was done to you. It acknowledges it. See, when we don't forgive, it's like carrying a weight around. Did you notice this up here? Okay. Ten pounds. I can, I can carry this. Not a big deal. What would it be like to carry this all day? Would it, would it start to get a little, after a while, it's like, boy, I'd like to lay this down. This is our unforgiveness. And if you've been carrying something for a while, maybe you're, you know, moving things around and you just, you have to hold on to something, you're traveling somewhere, you're going to a picnic and you got to carry the cooler and it just, it just gets real heavy and it feels so good to lay it down. But sometimes even with, with forgiveness, we'll, we'll carry this and you say, you know what? It's not that bad. Even though there are days where it's really, really heavy and you think, I can deal with it over time. It's all right. It's, I could, you know, if, if this is it, okay, I can live with this. But here's the problem with unforgiveness. It doesn't stay this way. Because if we hold on to our gripes, and it grows into bitterness. This, over time, becomes this. This is hot harder. This is two and a half times bigger. Or twice, no, four times bigger. Right? I'm sorry, lazy at math. Twice the size. 
This is, this gets even worse. And then, and then we think, well, okay, I could deal with this, but then you know what? This will double and triple in size. Just let it go. Sorry. Just let it go. Oh, it, it feels so good. You know that feeling when you drop something heavy? It's for us. Abandon our sense of justice. Why forgive? Because it, it feels good. Because it, we, we're going to need forgiveness ourselves. The Lord's Prayer, we say, forgive us as I've forgiven others. And just a few other things about forgiveness. Remember, the response of the offender is largely irrelevant. Yes, we would like them to, to be gracious and thank us. Thank you so much for forgiving me especially if they come to us and ask for forgiveness and we grant it. But a lot of people won't care. They'll just say, so? Big deal. I'll do that to you again. Guess what? It doesn't matter. Forgive them. You know, you could forgive dead people. They can't, they can't respond. But we could still forgive them. Their response is largely irrelevant. The other thing people bring up, and this is a good point. I don't want to, I don't, I'm not trying to get around this. Does forgiveness mean forgetting? And I want you to know the answer to that question is no. Forgiveness is canceling a debt. If you owed me $100 and you kept forgetting and I'd finally say, you know what, forget it. Just don't worry about it. I have forgiven you the debt of $100. Well, when someone hurts us, we feel like they owe us. And we're going to say, I'm forgiving you. I'm not going to hold that against you. It doesn't mean we necessarily forget, nor does it mean that we're necessarily trusting. Many people have been injured to their souls and will bear scars their whole life. And so forgiveness doesn't get whitewash that or deny it. It addresses it. It doesn't mean that we continue to accept abuse from abusers. It, sometimes someone who's done something very bad, they might need to face consequences. They might go to, they might go to prison. They might have to be um, estranged from a family. So and it may not even necessarily mean the restoration of the relationship although forgiveness can lead to that. Okay, give you a really clear example, and this is, again, an extreme case. We're not just talking about the minor things, but the really life-changing hurts that people can do to one another. If someone was convicted of molesting a child, there could be forgiveness for that person in their family and, and even in a, in a church. But you know what? We're not going to let that person work with kids. We could forgive them, but we're not going to trust them in that situation. There's a difference. It can take time to heal. Victims of, who've been hurt, they, you need to reach that point. But for your healing to complete, you need to reach that point. Yes, it takes time. Yes, it's very easy to say, be forgiving. It's very easy. But there are, th there are stories, I know they're out there, I've talked to many of you, 
where those hurts run deep. But you need to get there. You need to get there. Few little tests to ask yourself, do you need to forgive? One is the blame test. Do you blame others for your unhappiness? If it's someone else's fault that you're not happy, you might be holding some resentment. There's also the bitterness test. Are you keeping score? Do you think someone owes you? And then the behavior test, how do we treat that person? How do you treat them when you're, how do you act, how do you feel when you're around, fill in the blank, don't say their name out loud? How do you treat them? It, but, but I mean, if there's a struggle, if you're thinking, I, I need to help work through this to talk to someone. I don't know if I understand the difference between trust and forgiveness and, and those things. Then let's talk. Because you could be free. You could be free. In the kingdom of God, we forgive. Black and white as it can be, that's what we do. Let's spend some time in prayer to the Lord. First of all, let's thank him for his mercy. Because it starts there. It starts there. I have the capacity to give mercy because I have been given dumpsters and dumpsters full of forgiveness, of mercy. So I have plenty that I could spare. And it's all from him. And the more I learn, the more I see my, the depth and the darkness of my own sin, the more I just go, I, I, I don't understand it, but I believe it, God. You are forgiving. You are merciful for all the darkness and stuff that's in me. And then his mercy is a model for me to follow. And we could pray even today, God, help me to forgive. And maybe you don't, just out of confidentiality, maybe you, you want to avoid saying a name or, or maybe include initials or something there. I'll leave that at your discretion. But allow yourself to say, I, I can't forgive them yet. If, if you're not willing to yet, then pray for the willingness to be willing. Does that make sense? Don't say, I'm never going to forgive them. Because folks, if you do, you're the first servant. Plain and simple. But at least say, I'm willing to be willing. Let's pray. Let's start with praise to the Lord. Pray out loud if you like.
Yes. God, we could sing and praise your mercy from every breath we have left till we die and it won't express everything that needs to be expressed. It won't encompass the greatness of your mercy. And you desire to, Lord, you, it's not just something you wanted to do. You desire to be, to be able to grant us mercy and we, we accept it with gladness because of the, the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Oh, thank you for removing my debt that I don't need to go into prison forever. And it's a, it is a model for me to follow. God, I do, I pray for us. I know I'm just, even going through this lesson, I'm thinking of family members and employers, siblings, brothers and sisters in Christ who've hurt me. Some more than others. Some were just vicious. Some due to their own failures, their own, their own hurt that they experienced too. But God, and sometimes, Lord, I, I kind of pick up that weight again and want to carry it. But Lord, remind us to forgive. If, even if it's a repeated thing, we could keep forgiving. And so, Lord, in our own hearts and our own minds, whether it is the small slights or the irritations up to the truly heartbreaking, scarring damage that people can do to each other. God, I even think of, of Corey Ten Boom, 
who forgave one of the Nazi guards in the concentration camp. And Lord, she, she says she didn't want to do it, but the moment she decided, the moment she saw all the mercy given to her, that this now brother in Christ and, and the joy that they, that they expressed each other, and it all starts with your mercy. So we come back around, God, and give you praise and worship and thanks Oh, for your mercy, for canceling our debt. And may we never ever think that we should try to still earn or pay some of it back. We acknowledge here today that our debt to you is marked paid in full by the blood of Christ. In your name, amen. Hey, a few announcements as our worship team comes up. Lent, Lent season is, is coming again. Uh, we're, we're meeting with other churches uh, starting on Valentine's Day and encourage you to join us. It'll be um, uh, every Wednesday night. And so the uh, schedule is on the yellow paper back there and you can find out which church and who's speaking. Uh, and so uh, come join us and meet and be part of the other believers here. I have several announcements because it's been tough for us getting together with the weather and everything. Uh, we, there is an opportunity for mentoring uh, junior high, high school students through the YMCA, and we have information about that as well. And it's our school. They have, they have uh, uh, people available for that. Uh, also last week mentioned that uh, uh, we have put forward to you David Rupp as a deacon candidate for our deacon of facilities. And so we have uh, a few weeks, actually, till February 4th, if you have a concern or even as well uh, an encouragement. Say, yeah, I affirm that. I want to just let you know that that sounds good to me. Then let us know. Let me or Tom know. Uh, and then the elders will take all of that into consideration uh, as we meet again in, in February. We're also collecting things for living in liberty. Uh, and next Sunday will be the last Sunday for our January drive. There are cards back in our card display thing back there. Uh, if you want what, what to know, they want a lot of it shampoos and so forth this month. As that changes, we will let you know. Uh, we have a couple of our life groups that uh, are, have been, it's been tough. It's been difficult for us to meet due to one reason or another. Uh, one is the guys at, on Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. We call it Review Preview. And then the other one is our Tuesday night group, which is for anyone who wants to come at 6.30. We're just we're pressing pause on those until February. So hopefully, I know February can be even worse, but it's just, it's hard to start and stop and start and stop. So we're just saying we'll try again in February, okay? Uh, the other thing is that we, we'd hope to challenge you with is if you look at Acts chapter 6, there are the qualifications of the, the men who were going to serve the widows. It says they were full of wisdom. They were full of the Holy Spirit. They were also men of prayer. Um, these, are, these are real heart issues. And so as we've been talking, we thought we want to we help grow those qualities in us. And so uh, coming in within the, I don't have a date or time or anything yet for you, but uh, we want to have some small group for, for adults, it's men and women, where we could say, we're going to work on those together, uh, uh, on prayer, on, 
on being people of wisdom, on being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Again, these are, these are not skill or knowledge things. These are real character issues. And so um, uh, if you're thinking, I want to do that, but this is, this is something that we're asking for a commitment to say, okay, I'm going to do what I can to be there for that on each of those meetings. If that's kind of sparking your mind and sparking your heart, uh, let me know, let Tom know as we start getting things ready and prepared for that. I encourage you to read Acts chapter 6, just that first 10 verses or so, and you'll see the kind of uh, people they were, were looking for, how the disciples were coming and becoming uh, as, as members of the church. All right, so uh, again, as we get down the road a little bit, we'll be able to be, be more specific with times and places and everything. But I wanted to challenge you with that. Uh, let's continue in our worship. Please stand with us as we're about to sing the next song.